0: Well, the last few weeks we have been in our Easter series simply called This Is Love. You know, Easter marks the greatest events to have ever taken place in human history. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It was this weekend over 2,000 years ago that it changed everything. It changed everything and th- these events the death burial and resurrection of Jesus all those years ago have so deeply marked my life and many lives of people here of lives of people here so much so that that because of these events that took place all those years ago that it began a movement of people that they first called themselves the way but then later were labeled as Christians and formed the body of Christ which we call the church and if you look around today, you can see that the church is alive and well all these years later. That is how powerful this love is. And so over the last couple of weeks, basically, we, uh, we, we said that love conquers death. That was week one. And then last week, we, we said that, that this love, this is a love that forgives sins. It's, it's incredible, this love. So let's look at a few verses that we've, we've been talking about in this series, This Is Love. In 1 John 4.10, it says, this is love. This is it. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, atoning sacrifice, it basically means he, he died the death we deserve to give us the grace and mercy we didn't. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, and this is how we know what love is. So first it was, this is love. And now this is how we know what love is. I want to know what love is. I know you're thinking it. I can't, every time I read that, I just can't help. I just, it's just right there. But this is how. This is how you can know that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In other words, it's not something that we keep to ourselves, is it? That's why at New Life Church, our mission is to love God, love people, and we love sharing God with people. He laid down his lives for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So this is love. This is how we know what love is. And this is how he did it, First John four. 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is how he did it. And so this morning what I, what I want to talk about is the love that makes all things new. This is ultimately the, what the resurrection accomplished. The resurrection makes all things All things new. And I love how Easter uh, takes place in our springtime as we begin to see things coming back to life. You know, for me personally, one of the most depressing parts of living in the Midwest, and I've lived in the Midwest almost my entire life, is the fact that we usually have leaves on the trees about five months of the year. (laughs) Other than that, it's gray, and it looks dead, and, uh, and, and a few other things that I personally love that is kind of like a love-hate relationship of living in the Midwest is that uh, I love grass. I can't help it. I love grass. I love mowing the grass. I love seeing the grass treated. I like striping my lawn perfectly. I actually mow my lawn two different ways. I mow it this way and on a 45, so my lawn will have the most perfect diamond pattern in it that every neighbor will be jealous of. And I don't care, they can be jealous. They should be jealous. (laughs) Actually, they should do what I do so their lawn looks good too. I had a neighbor one time years ago when uh, we ministered in Indianapolis. Uh, I actually, my neighborhood thought I was crazy. Uh, And that is, we we tore out our entire lawn. We just, we ripped out the whole thing. And uh, reseed, I mean, I brought in topsoil, we reseeded it, it was a whole process. And after about a year and a half, My, mm, my lawn looks so good. I had a neighbor come up to me and said, how did you do that? And I explained to him the process. You really got to take care of it. You got to treat it well. And and then he said, I can't tell you how many times I looked at your lawn and how perfect it is, and I wanted to come and light it on fire with gasoline. (laughs) I said, get behind me, Satan. Don't mess with my lawn, man. When I'm done mowing the lawn, I see my kids on their bikes. I said, don't you dare ride that bike through my lawn. You're going to put a track right through my perfect lines. I love it. And so this time of year, man, I love seeing the grass getting green. Oh, I love new things. Can I tell you, I love new things. I love when the the buds start coming up on the trees and they start flowering. I love things that are new to me, even if they're old, but it's just new to me. I just love new things. I love a new toothbrush. That's awesome. I just love new things. And this time of year, I love that Easter falls this time of year as things are budding back to life. And when I, when I stepped out on the property this morning, I looked out and I just was like, God, thank you for new life. I see the grass getting green and buds on the trees and I think about how the stone was rolled away. That, that you see Jesus' body wasn't buried, it was planted and it sprung back to life, and it continues creating life in us today. I love, I love all things new. That's what the resurrection has done. You know, as I thought about Easter and just how, like, there's so much richness in the scripture, so much to say on Easter, and as a pastor, honestly, it's days like today that can be the most difficult because there's really two kinds of scripture that are the most difficult to preach. That is the one that nobody knows, And the second one is the one that everybody knows. (laughs) So in Easter, uh, traditionally, we we, we talk about Jesus, and we always will, and we will today. But I remember this story of a man that Jesus came across, and he was blind. But more interestingly, he was born blind. And this is significant to the story. Let's look at it in John chapter 9. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. You see, the reason why this is a significant detail added into the story is because it was believed that if you were born blind or you were born with some kind of deficiency, that it was essentially a sign. It was significant that you or someone in your family were cursed. So for this man to have been born blind, it was an all-telling sign to everybody around him that he was cursed. That, he, that, that somehow the gods above had struck him with this curse to be born blind. That he, there is something wrong with him. And that's what ultimately everybody would think of him. And when people think that of you and speak that over your life many times, you begin living as though you, you are not okay. Jesus sees this man. Blind from birth. His disciples even ask him, they say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because this is what was commonly believed. Somebody is not okay, and this man is cursed from birth. Well, Jesus replies, he says, Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in Him, And let me tell you, if this, if this resonates with you, if someone has told you that you're no good, you're flawed, you're, 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 you're less than, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, but it will be to display the glory of God. He continues, after saying this, he spit on the ground, this is Jesus, he spits on the ground, he makes some mud with the saliva, He put it on the man's eyes and he said, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, the word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seen. Have you ever seen those videos where uh, someone's colorblind and their family bought them the glasses so they can see color for the first time and, and they're just crying like the colors are so beautiful. You guys get to see this. You know, you see those videos. This dude has never seen a lick of nothing, he comes home seeing. Oh, but it's bigger than just being able to see. For the first time, he realized that he was somebody. He wasn't cursed. He wasn't less than. Everything that someone had ever spoken over his life, you must be cursed because you were born blind. on that day, he recognized his significance and that he mattered. What a huge moment in this man's life. And as he goes home, it says that his neighbors and those who for, had formerly seen him begging asked, because this is the thing, in, in the early first century, if you were disabled, you couldn't work, and you were permitted to beg for income. So this man, left stand, has been, had to humbly stand and beg for money each and every day for survival, and his neighbors recognized that's the dude that's the guy begging every day isn't this the man who used to sit and beg some claimed that he was others said no 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 he only looks like him because that dude he was born blind that dude was cursed this guy he's got tears in his eyes and he's looking with awe and wonder at the world around him can't be the same guy That is a doppelganger. If I've ever seen one, that is not the guy. No, he only looks like him. But he himself said, no, no, no. It's me. I'm the guy. I'm the man. Talk about love that makes all things new. You see, it's this love of God that creates for us a new beginning. And for this man, Born blind, looked down upon by those around him. Oh, you must be cursed. There's something wrong with you. Deep down inside, we don't know if something wrong with you. In an instant, Jesus gives this man a brand new beginning. Come on, I remember, I remember when God gave me a brand new beginning. You, you kind of, you walk in the church a little different when you realize he's given you a fresh start. You wake up in the morning a little different You go to bed at night with a little bit more peace when you know that you have been given a new beginning. That no longer, that you're identified by your own dysfunction. You see, we don't even know this guy's name. When we refer to this guy in this this story in the Bible, you know what we call him? The man born blind. It's what we call him. We don't know his name. And this is what we do. We call people by their own dysfunctions. And the man with the withered hand. The woman with the issue of blood. The guy at work that's a little, you know, crazy. The woman with an anger problem. The guy who drinks too much. We label people by their dysfunction. And Jesus says, hey, bring me that dysfunction. Bring it here. Bring it here. Go wash, and you'll go home seen. What? Yeah, you'll go home seen dysfunctions. You see, one moment with Jesus, just one, can reset the mess of our lives. Just one moment. Just one moment. This was problematic in the, at this time, this, this healing, because the way in which Jesus did it was that there... The religious leaders of their time they were they were you know by the book you know they were they were really kind of uptight and uh uh, they and so when they heard about this miracle that took place the problem was it happened on the sabbath day and for them the sabbath day was something that you could do no work they had very strict rules about what you could and could not do on the sabbath things that you weren't allowed to do on the sabbath was you couldn't build you could knead bread so you had to prepare all your food the day before. And what Jesus did when he spit in the mud, he built mud, and he kneaded spit and dirt together to make saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. And to them, they were more cracked up about that he kneaded mud and built, built with mud than the fact that this man has been completely set free from a dysfunction from birth. And so they were all upset, all up arms at Jesus, this Jesus guy, Broke Sabbath. He broke their like their their rules. that were not okay with this, and so they had they bring this man th- that was healed before them, and they began to question him about this man named Jesus. They were trying to find out is he a sinner or is he a prophet? What what is this guy? And of course, you know this is a pretty good move on Jesus's half. I think because when I started reading the story, I realized. This guy can't really testify anything about Jesus because he couldn't see. And Jesus didn't heal him immediately. He said, now go wash. And so the guy's never seen him. <laughs> so how does, he doesn't have much to say, of course. This leaves these religious leaders at the time very unsatisfied with his, with his answers. And so they, uh, they call upon this man's, uh, this, this man's parents. And they ask his parents to basically give an account for what has happened, this miracle of their son's eyes being opened. And You see, but their parents were quite afraid of these religious leaders because whoever were to claim that this man Jesus were the Messiah, this, this expected king, this expected savior, if you were to claim that this man was him, then they would put you out They call it being put out of the synagogue. So if we were to reverse back in time for just a moment and go back to early first century Judaism, there was three levels of excommunication. The first one was called rebuke. Rebuke could be done by one person, and it lasted for seven days. And after the seven days, you would likely have to go become ceremonially clean, which means you'd probably have to go do some form of like a baptism but the second form the second form of excommunication was called being rejected or cast out. Now, this wasn't done by one person. It had to be done by three people. So three people all had to testify that we need to reject that dude. And when and if you were rejected or cast out, it would last for 30 days, and everybody had to stay at least six feet away from you. We know a little bit about that, don't we? a little social distancing for 30 days. And then you'd have to go through a process of being accepted again. But the third level of excommunication was to be put out of the synagogue. And should you be found guilty of whatever it is that these leaders of authority would, would say, it, this being put out of the synagogue, it wasn't for a day, it wasn't for seven days, it wasn't for 30 days, it was indefinitely Indefinitely. And indefinitely, you were to be treated as though you were dead. So the parents, understanding if our testimony concludes that we are somehow guilty of saying this Jesus miracle worker is the Messiah, we will be put out of the synagogue. All of our friends, all of our family will now basically consider us dead to them. And we will have to go on our way and start a whole new life. So here's their response to these religious leaders. They say, uh, he is a grown man. You need to ask him. Which is a really good response, parents, when your kids get old enough. Mine quite aren't quite there yet. I can't say that yet. And so they, they finally, they, they summoned the man a second time. Let's pick it back up in John chapter 9. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. They said, give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. They're speaking of Jesus. We know he's a sinner. And he, re- th- he replied this. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. And this famous line. But one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. How, what, I mean, how do you What's the rebuttal to that? Yesterday I couldn't see and I've never been able to see since birth. No one's ever seen anybody recover from being born blind. But yet here I am and you're wearing orange. I was blind. Now I see. And this is what God does. This is what the love of God does. It 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 makes all things new. And so his testimony is one of many people even now today. I was, but now. I, I was in darkness and despair, but now. Now I'm in the light, in life. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was sinking in sand, but now now I'm standing on a solid rock. This is still people's testimony today. Because one encounter with the Messiah, one encounter with Jesus, and he can fix the messes of our lives. So then they asked him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I, I love this. He says, I've already told you. But you didn't listen. Oh, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but if he is, that was pretty slick. Do you want to follow him too? Obviously, what is he saying? He's saying, This guy's the Messiah. I'm following him. Do you want to go too? So then. They only begin to hurl insults at him, which is what he's had his whole life, I'm I'm sure of it. But this time, it doesn't hurt him. And ultimately, he was put out. So verse 32 says, The man said to them, This is the man born blind, now healed. He says, No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. In other words, you are cursed. You are no good. So because you are beneath us, you are a nobody. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. With his parents probably standing right there. Knowing we can never be seen interacting with our son again. He's just been put out. We now, this man has lost his family. I mean, dude just received sight for the first time in his life, and he gained his sight, but he lost his community. He's been put out of the synagogue. But it almost just seems as though it was still worth it to him, and that is because this love that gives us a new beginning also creates for us a new purpose. This man, he would just wake up each day unable to see, unable to work, and could just find his way to his street corner and just put out his cup and ask for charity. Every day, that's, that's how he lived for survival. But now that he has been restored, his sight has been restored, now he has a new purpose. And if that purpose means exp- telling his story, And if telling my story means that you put me out, I'm okay with that because I know my purpose. My purpose used to be begging, but now I know it has to be connected to this man that's made me whole. It has to be connected to him because now I can see. So put me out. Put me out. I have purpose now. And I don't need any of you that have looked down on me. I don't need any of you that have talked down to me, that have cursed me, to tell me that this, my purpose isn't connected to this man. And he goes along his way. He knew whatever his purpose was. It was connected to the man that restored his sight. So throw him out. And they did. Here's the thing. Everyone lives to have something to die for. Everyone lives with something in them to 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 die for something that's bigger than themselves. In other words, everybody lives for for wanting to know that there is a reason and a purpose for their life. So much so that that so many people find a cause to believe in and they're willing to lay in the streets for it. They're willing to 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 go to extreme lengths for their cause. Sometimes that causes are good things. Sometimes those causes are are, are things like climate change. Sometimes those causes are, are animal rights. Sometimes those causes are human rights. Whatever it is, people are looking for a cause because deep inside they know they're born for a reason and a purpose and they're looking for it looking for it. Everybody wants to live to have something to die for. And this man, this man just found it. And he knows his purpose is connected to the man that restored his sight. And the real purpose of your life is connected to the one. He restores his sight to the blind, helps the lame walk. The real purpose of your life is connected to to the one who is responsible for every little miracle in your life. and I think on Easter Sunday as we reflect on Jesus, we can also, I think we also reflect on all the little things that we say, that must have been God. And your purpose is connected to the God of every little miracle of your life. Because all I know is Once I was blind, but now I see. And sometimes just knowing your story is enough to refute your haters. Yeah, but church this and church... Listen, all I know is you should have seen me before. And I was a mess. And he made me whole. Are you sure you want to... Listen, all I know is I was lonely I was lost, I was down when he found me and he lifted me up. John 9, 35, Jesus heard that they threw this man out, so he went and he found him. This is what our savior does. Everyone else leaves you behind and he says, "Oh, oh, son, daughter, come here, come here, I'll find you. You're not, you're not alone. This man left likely feeling alone. He's been put out. His family can't not talk to him ever again. And Jesus says, Must find him. Must find him. I wonder what that search was like. But he finds the man. He says, Do you believe in the Son of Man, this Messiah? Who is he, sir? The man asked. And at first, you know, when I read this, I said, He should have known. And I was like, Oh, yeah, he couldn't see. He couldn't see until afterwards. He says, who is this man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him, and in fact, he's the one speaking with you right now. And the man says, probably he's thinking, thought that voice sounded familiar. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So this love it gives new beginnings this love gives us a new purpose but the love of god gives us a new life and that is what this man experienced a whole new life And that's what easter is that's what it's all about is god is taking old things and making them new god is taking dead things and making them alive he's giving people new beginnings He's restoring people's purpose. He's giving them a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And the new is here this Easter. Easter is a reminder that the new life is always available to us. Easter makes new life possible you see Jesus he lived the perfect life that neither you or I have ever been able to achieve but then being one without sin without mistakes never failing he was the only one then that could then offer his own perfect life as a sacrifice for the freedom of us all for God so loved that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life I want to share with you an old story about an old bridge keeper maybe you've heard it there was once a bridge that is spanned over a large river Now, during most of the day, the bridge would pivot in the center and go lengthways with this river. And a few times during the day, a passenger train would have to come by. So this bridge keeper, he sat in a booth along the side of the river. Periodically, he had to work the lever that would turn the gear and spin that bridge from the center of the river to span the gap between one bank and the other. And it would lock together on both sides to keep it stable, and the passenger train would pass through across safely across that wide divide and across the river. And one evening, as the switchman was waiting for the last passenger train of the day to come, He looked off in the distance through the dimming twilight and he caught the sight of the train's lights in the distance. So he stepped out onto the control and he waited for the train uh, until the train was within within a prescribed distance to pull the lever and operate the bridge. So he turned the bridge into position, but to his horror, he found that the locking control didn't work leaving the bridge to swing freely. He knew that without it being secure and in position that it would mean that the train would jump the track and into the deep river below. Many people on board this last train of the day, men, women, children, entire families. So he quickly left where he was He crossed over the bridge to the other side because there was a a manual lever in the the event of when these events would take place, there was a manual lever that he could pull to lock that bridge in place. He would just have to, with all his strength, pull that lever and hold it until the train passed. The the train is is beyond its... uh, the distance it would need to stop, so he knew he had to get to this lever in time. Pulling the lever, locking it in place, holding it with all his strength for the passengers to pass by. The passengers on this train were, were dependent on this man's strength, although they were completely unaware of the situation. And then coming across the bridge from the direction of his control booth, He heard a sound that immediately made his blood go cold. It was the voice of his four-year-old son coming across the bridge. Daddy, where are you? His first impulse was to cry out to the child, run, run, run. But he knew the train was too close. That boy's tiny four-year-old legs would never get across the bridge in time. In a moment, the man almost left the lever to go snatch his son and carry him off to safety, but he, he saw the lights of the train nearer and nearer, and he knew that he could not save his son and be back to the lever to save the train. One of two things was about to happen. Either every man and child and woman on the train or his son would lose their life. He took a moment to make that decision. And then in a moment's time, the train sped safely and swiftly on its way. No one on board was aware of the tiny body that was broken on the bridge that day. Nor were they aware of the pitiful figure of a sobbing man clinging with all his might to the locking lever even long after the train had passed. They didn't see that man walking home more slowly than he had ever walked before. They didn't see the man tell his wife that their son would not be returning home. But instead the passenger train full of passengers enjoying a meal laughing together safely headed to their destination now if you are compelled if you, are, if you were to comprehend the emotions that went through this man's heart then you might be able to even begin to understand the feelings of our heavenly father when he sacrificed his son to bridge the gap between us and eternal life can there be any wonder that he caused the earth to tremble and the skies to darken when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross how does he feel how does God feel when we speed along through life without giving thought to what He has done for us. Without giving thought to the sacrifice of His Son. For God so loved that He gave His Son. I would ask you today, don't speed through life any longer because of Christ's sacrifice you can have a brand new beginning. You can have a new purpose and a new life. Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. See, there's nothing else God has to do for our salvation. It's already been done. And there's nothing that you can do to deserve his forgiveness. He offers it freely. All we must do is to simply choose it. Receive it like a gift. and Place our faith and trust in him. And then allow that love to transform our lives. And so with every head bowed here today, every eye closed, we do this just because I say that when we close our eyes, it just becomes you and God. There's no one else around, it's just you and God. I want you to know that whether you saw it or not, you were on that train. Whether you recognized him or not, there was a Heavenly Father standing at the at the lever holding it, sobbing as he gave his son so that you could pass this great divide and have life. I'm just wondering today if there's somebody here that maybe maybe you, maybe you used to feel like you had a relationship with God and you've strayed from it. I can't think of a better time than on the day of his resurrection to say on Easter 2022 was the day that I got to see again. And maybe it's you're like the man born blind, that you, you can't say for certain that you've ever had a relationship with Jesus, that you've ever surrendered your life to him. I can't think of a better day than Easter 2022 and the day that we celebrate his resurrection that you get to say, and on that day, I was raised back to life. So in a moment, I just want to lead us in a prayer that I just ask you to pray in the quietness of your own heart You can say it in your own words. You don't have to say it in mine. But if you're here this morning, you fit one of those two categories. Maybe I used to follow the Lord. I've I've kind of strayed away, but today I need to get it right. I need to not ignore the Father clinging to the lever as I am speeding through life any longer. I need to recognize that. Or two, you're ready to save. Maybe for the first time in your entire life, I need to get my life right, and I know it starts. I know my purpose begins with the one who makes the blind see if you want to make that decision today to follow jesus would you just ever so slightly lift up your hand higher than your shoulder so i can see who i'm praying for today thank you thank you thank you sir thank you and once you put it up i've seen that you can put it down so here in a moment i'm just going to pray i just ask that you would pray in the quietness of your own heart You can use your words. You can use mine. And just surrender your life to him, accepting this love of the Father. So, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me, Lord, of every past mistake, every past failure. And I surrender my life to you. And, Lord, really, I just want to say thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for, for... looking down and seeing me in my broken condition and still seeing me worth coming and dying for. I pray that, that I would really have a, the sense today that you're giving me a new beginning, a new purpose, and a brand new life. And although I might still have questions and doubts, I'm, just, I'm willing to address those. I'm willing to talk about those. I just know that if I'm going to get my life on track, it starts with you you just forgive me and accept me? And I want you to know that he does. He does. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you guys next time.